0: You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. We are here today with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and Meg Seitz from the Toth Shop. Now, we all have different gifts. Um, Sometimes, you know, people with great business minds don't always know how to explain their ideas in a way you'd understand. Sometimes what they really need is an English teacher. Yes, an English teacher. Now, someone um, you know who can really take your ideas, put them into words, and and really allow people to hear the way that you want to interpret your brand. You know, Meg Seitz is that woman, and um, she's an English teacher who dove into business school, realized some of the great business minds around her needed help writing and communicating what they really meant, and uh, so she's now built her business around that, the Toth Shop, and it's really cool. Um, so she's also a a regular blogger for the uh, the Huff Post, and has even published a children's book series called. Bay is for business. Um, thank you so much for joining the Brand Butters podcast, Meg, and we are so excited to learn about you.
2: Thanks, Brian. I'm yeah, excited to be here.
1: Absolutely. Brian, great
0: intro as always, and Meg, very good to see you, and thank you for joining us. And uh, so you're a smart cookie. You're, you're an English teacher with an MBA. Mm-hmm. Um, you literally used to teach high school English. So what kind of made you shift your career?
2: Yeah. So I went to undergrad and I majored in English and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with it. Um, the misconception is, well, I could say the, the conception is that you major in English and you go and teach English. And I really, um, I fought that tooth and nail for a long time um, and ended up Getting a teaching job. Um, I'd been kind of freelancing in Pittsburgh and I realized that um, I really liked educational freelance projects. Um, I had done a really big teacher project on Hannes Wagner, the baseball player, and I had designed a, like a curriculum to teach kids about his career. And I was like, I do I like teaching um, and moved to Charlotte in 2007 and got a teaching job teaching 12th grade World literature, and then um, ninth grade honors English, as well as yearbook. Oh,
1: nice! Oh yeah, that's quite a
0: that. that's quite uh, the project the there. Yeah. I
2: was I was not a yearbook kid in high school, and all, I felt like. Uh, that was just a totally different culture, too. But quite frankly, that's where I started to get excited about business, um, because one of the things with yearbook, and it's just so funny to talk about it, but one of the things with yearbook is that I had to teach about 10 or 12 high schoolers, you know, kids who are probably 14, 15, 16 years old, how to raise about $30,000 for the actual project that they wanted to do. Um, and I appreciated the fact that, you know, as much as they wanted to write stories and take pictures, they needed to raise their own money. Um, and what I ended up doing is that next year, my second year teaching, I broke the English, pro- or I broke the, broke the yearbook program into an editorial and a creative, but then also a business. And ended up doubling the size of the yearbook program um, by building a whole other business side. And so I started to see that there was an opportunity to have a conversation between English and business. And it showed up in this really funny way with a high school yearbook project. Um, And then that model of the conversation between the creative side and the business side ended up kind of serving as a through line for the next probably 5 to 7 years and it's ironically the majority of what I do today.
0: That's very cool. I bet it made a huge impact for those students as well too. Do you ever do you ever hear back from them or have you <laughs> Do you, do you keep in t- as a teacher? Do you keep in touch with with certain students? And,
2: yeah, I am yeah. um, So when I was teach when I started teaching, I was probably 22, 23 years old, and I was teaching twelfth grade. So they weren't all you were
0: years older. <laughs> they loved you. <laughs> I yeah.
2: was not. I used that to love much. those teachers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, <laughs> the cool ones, and I fought that too because <laughs> they would like I was cool and young. Well, I like to think I was cool. And young. <laughs> I was definitely young, but um. You know, I was probably around the same age as their older siblings, too. So I like they had a way to relate to me. Um, But I mean, honestly, like I keep in touch with more former students than I do former colleagues just because our careers have kind of grown together. Um, A lot of people that I taught with are still there or still teaching. And I've had probably two or three different career transformations since then, which kind of parallels what my students did too, because they ended up going to college and maybe grad school and definitely a career or two in. So I have definitely kept in touch with them. Um, and it's really fun to be able to see where they've gone and to kind of see part of that journey, you know, experience their journey too.
1: And that's you true. mentioned journey and that's really cool to see kind of the transition that you've seen your students kind of grow, especially into something that you love and to see them love that, that's got to be really mm-hmm. rewarding. Now we parlay this into your business and there's an interesting story behind the name of your business and it goes, you know, way beyond uh, your middle name. It goes to your great grandmother who made a bold move here more than a hundred years ago. Tell us a little bit about that story and how you came up with the name.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, my full name is Megan. Megan. Toth, T-O-T-H sites. Um, and Toth is actually, we're we're a family that builds really heavily on family names. Um, I am a Megan because Megan is a form of Margaret. And Margaret has been in the family for probably four or five different generations. So every woman in my family is a form of Margaret. And then my middle name is, in fact, my great grandmother's maiden name. She came to this country, we think, probably right before World War I. Um, She was probably 16 or 17 years old. She came by herself. She got on a boat in the middle of the night and left Hungary to go through Ellis Island. And then she went to Pittsburgh, which is where our family is from. And I just really felt like, and I love the fact that that last name, which is also one of, we have a brick there at Ellis Island with her name on it. Um, I just love the fact that like, that's my, that is literally the middle of my name. Um, Our lives never overlapped. So I never met her. Um, But I just grew up with stories about her. And I just, the older I got, especially as a, like a woman and a business owner what that must have taken to get on a boat when you were, you know, teenager and just go to a different country. You don't know the language. You don't have any money. you have no contacts and you literally just do it because you know that there's something else kind of on the other side is like, I just felt like that took so much balls. Yeah, <laughs> write it. Uh, and so that, so in theory that was, um, That that's really what I wanted the company to feel. Like I wanted that spirit in the company from the get-go. So I kind of always knew I wanted to use that name. And
1: and you mentioned that, you know, you carry that spirit with her. I mean, if that doesn't make you feel grateful for what we have in 2018 in the United States and the opportunities Mm -hmm. that people have, you know, it kind of puts it into perspective. Think what you were doing at 16, I surely wasn't thinking about crossing the ocean for a new life, right? I was probably right. wondering who I was gonna ask to prom. You know, you I mean you think about right. it. So that's a really neat story. And it's cool that you you hold that close to you and you mm-hmm. use that to kind of motivate your business and you use that as a passion to drive your business. Now you talk a little bit about creativity and good writing, and that's something that I feel like I'm creative, but I'm terrible at writing. Mm-hmm. And so tell us a little bit about how those kind of uh, work together and how does the Toss Shop really complement someone that maybe is very creative but doesn't have the ability to be a very good writer?
2: Yeah, so um, really the idea of it kind of started in business school because I went to Wake Forest for business and um, pulling from Charlotte and North Carolina, it was a very strong financial services background, accounting, you know, everybody worked for the bank. And I got in there and I was I just felt like a duck out of water, like I do not enjoy math or numbers or accounting and everybody I felt like everybody was good at it. And then in kind of getting to know my classmates, I saw that as strong as they were with the numbers, nobody knew how to write or tell a story. Um, you know, they lived in spreadsheets and I think that's great and I want them to do that. But for me, I started to see that the competitive advantage was not about me getting into their world and learning accounting, but it was really getting really clear on staying in my lane, which was that writing and creativity piece. And that's really where I found that, you know, in fixing those PowerPoint decks or in, you know, investor pitch decks company stories, mission statements, um, employee handbooks, whatever it was that there was an opportunity to strengthen what a business wants to do and wants to accomplish, not only in the short term, but also long term, sustainably speaking. Um, And that writing was really a place where we could get really clear on their messaging. Um, Because a lot of times people just don't do the writing, or they leave it for the last minute, or they have people who don't enjoy it writing it. And so you get that vibe instantly when you're reading somebody's mission statement, core values, whatever it is.
0: And So that's a piece of what you do, but also the blog, going back to the introduction, your blog, you have a regular blog post with mm-hmm. HuffPost, correct? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of what's going on there?
2: Yeah. So I... um very ironically, and I'm very like public about this, but I went to I volunteered at the Democratic National Convention and I am not a Democrat. And I, I found, might want
0: to know more about that too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Go go on.
2: <laughs> um but I will say that I um I was up there and I was like, this is actually a really interesting experience. And I had been working for Lululemon at the time um, and we were actually volunteering or I was working um, with uh, Ariana Huffington had almost like an oasis, which they were, they had at both conventions. Um, And it was really an opportunity for people who were stressed out at the convention to have a massage, have a a good meal, have a bottle of water, you know, whatever it was. And so naturally Lululemon was a partner in that conversation. Um, and I was up there and I was like, this is actually really like politics aside. Like I was, I was kind of, I felt again, like a little bit of a fish out of water, but, um, I was like politics aside, I think this is a really cool initiative. And I ended up like running into Ariana Huffington and, you know, I was kind of like girl crushing on her (laughs) (laughs) um and I said you know this like I feel differently politically but I appreciate what you're doing she's like you should write about it and I was like I should write about it and I actually ended up writing a like a column about the experience um as somebody from the other the other side um and they published it and um it was really I mean figure that was back in I guess 20 Gosh, 2011, 2012, trying to remember. Um, they published it, and then I, um, this is classic Meg Sites, but they published it, and I wrote them, and I was like, I really enjoyed this experience. Um, what, like, I want to do more of it. How do I do it? It wasn't a question of like if, it was like how. And they said, well, why don't we just give you a column? So that's amazing. That is awesome.
1: (laughs) That is an awesome story.
0: If you don't ask, you will not receive. That's amazing. That was like
2: a really, and I tell that story a lot. And you know, what they, like, I became part of their contributor network. Um, which ended up being this really cool thing that they had started right around that time where normal people could have columns on the Huffington Post. And I thought it was great to be able to get the word out, um, you know, just about what regular writers were experiencing. And then I actually ended up using that column to talk about my mom's journey with breast cancer. Um, which ended up ironic, like I never saw it coming, but those posts ended up being the highest performing posts for me. And I still three, four years later, I still get messages that people have found those posts because they've That's Google amazing. searched, and that those can now be a resource for other families, especially daughters who are going through that. Um, so it's just this really quirky place. it's It's the power of blogging. Um, and I go, you know, I have a love hate relationship with blogging because I think too many people just blog, treat it like a diary and you just blog and you put it up there and, you know, people will read it. But I really think blogging is a great opportunity to get really good at it. If you're paying attention to the feedback that you get, um, and you pay attention to, you know, what people are reading or what they're Mm -hmm. reacting to. Um, so in that sense, it, it is about paying attention to your audience and, really what they want to read and what writing has resonated and really leaning into that.
1: And you, so you brought up social media, mm-hmm. and this is a, a question that I have for you. Um, when you're, when you're working on these blogs and you're writing these things, and it was pretty neat, like three years later that you get the blog and like, or people are looking at it and they can find it, right? Everything that you write can be there forever, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, how has social media changed the ability for people to either write or not write good? same with text messaging. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's almost enabled people to forget how to even write a sentence or use a period. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it's almost like run on sentences and people are just capitalizations and it's just insane. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that social media, although it's a great platform for writing, has also kind of weakened the ability to write well?
2: Yes. So I will say, and I have experienced this most with students and this, I mean, I remember having this problem years ago, probably 10 years ago when I was teaching. I would get papers um, and this one particular student who I'm still really good friends with, I went to his wedding. He's awesome, but he would turn in papers and he would meant he would mean to write the word you like Y O U, but he would write the letter U. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, this is not shorthand." <laughs> This is not like what planet are you on? But he was literally he would text all the time and you could see the way the brain worked. That was like, well, of course, like, why can't I just use the letter U? So I really think it's not necessarily social media, because I think what social media has done really well is it's it's made us get shorter and more concise and crisper with our messages, especially Twitter. But I think what's been the real problem is what texting has done um, and I say that example 10 years ago with you, but then I also see it today because I teach part-time at Queens. I see that I get student like messages emails from students that are written in a way that sound like a text message. And it's a problem if I am applying to a job and I'm trying to write a cover letter or I'm trying to write that first introductory email and they're acting like, this is a text message. And I see it in the salutation or the greeting most because it's like, hey, uh, will you take a look at this cover letter? And it's like, hi, comma, yes, I'd be happy to look at this cover letter, but we need to talk about how you open this letter because this is not a text message. This is not like something that you tap out on your iPhone. Um, And so teaching people to be, and especially that next generation that doesn't know life without mobile devices, teaching that next generation to like, just take a second to realize that writing a letter or writing your resume or writing that first email to a potential employer cannot read like a text message.
0: Oh, I totally agree. <laughs> and, and that, yeah, that, uh, that sort of parlays into a question we have about um, what, what businesses can do better when it comes to, communicating their messages Mm
2: -hmm. you know um I'd probably say one of the things that um, I notice with businesses is they sometimes have the youngest people on staff writing the messages they go out to the largest audiences And I think that's great. I think it's efficiency at, you know, it's like efficiency 101, like have the interns, have that social media manager write the message. But if you haven't trained your your team and your people in what exactly you need that message to do, it's not going to deliver the message that you want. So if like really it's about, Can you train your people on what you need the writing to deliver? Um, And can it, you know, can you infuse your core values or your mission statement? Or, you know, is is this part of like a sales strategy that you're trying to deliver over the next year or two? And like really training your, those voices on the bigger picture and then teaching them to kind of like dial that in to the writing, whether it is like the Facebook, the copy to accompany a link on Facebook or the Instagram caption. That's the biggest thing right now is making sure those Instagram captions are not only proofread and, you know, checked for just flow, but also like, what's the message? Um, And is the person who's writing the message clear on what it needs to do? performance-wise.
1: And that is that brings up a great point. We actually had this conversation earlier where it's all about content, right? But uh, we feel like in social media now, it's a lot of me, 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 see mm-hmm. me, see me. I want to pay to play. I want you to notice who I am. Mm-hmm. But what we've kind of noticed that it's a lot easier to take care of the community, reach out, offer a hand. And it's less about how many likes you get and how many people will read the blog. But if you have good content, the followers will be there. When you're writing what your messages and gosh, I really hope I get a hundred likes on this blog. It's it just tell us what, what is the, is it, is it, is what does it make you, you know, feel passionate about that? Cause I feel like everybody's in this rat race, right? They all want Mm -hmm. to be number one and and they're throwing out all this content and they're not even realized what they're putting out. And sometimes less is better, right? Like focus on like what your mission is. And if you constantly are putting good content out that is going to make a difference, then I feel like the business will follow that. What's your passion around that? I mean, is that how you kind of strive with your business as well, or what is it what what is your thoughts on that?
2: yeah, I think um, I will say that i this is personally like I'm kind of over this like social media celebrity, like here's a headshot of me, and like here's why I think you should follow your passion, and it's like I'm over it it it's not about me when i when I post something for either me personally or my company like It's not about me. And I think that's the thing that people are screwing up is they think that like this is about them and it's not like my social media, my messaging should be about saying something that either elevates someone else's brand, someone else's message, or gets somebody else thinking about something. Um, It can't be all about me. Um, And I think that's what people screw up is it's like, this is not a like this is not about you showcase right.
0: for me place you know yeah
2: like i'm over it um and i me think too. there there are so many games that people play on social media with that you know when it comes to like followers and comments and buying followers and it's like just be yourself share a, mes- a message that's going to make somebody's you know somebody else think about something and you'll get the right followership and you'll get the right engagement if you just stay in your own lane it's a great point. That is, yeah. So tell
1: us, Meg. I I, mm-hmm. I love following you know Roots Catering and Roots Cafe and some of the things that you've done on Instagram. There, mm-hmm. um, I think you could really help out a lot of our listeners as well. Um, so tell us how the, how can they get in touch with you and how can they follow uh, your blogs and where can they find you on social media?
2: Yeah. So I am um, just really simply uh, my business Toth Shop, which is T O T H Shop S H O P. Um, is on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram, it's at Tothshop creates, creates plural. Um, so you can find you know me, the business on Facebook, Instagram, um, and then I personally am on Twitter. Do you have to say though that a lot of time on Twitter all I do is retweet announcements from the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Just FYI. Um but websites probably the best way to keep in touch with, you know, blogs, what I'm thinking, um, you know, writing advice, coaching, that kind of thing and that's very simply tothshop.com. Excellent.
0: Thank you so much. I would love to hear after all this said, uh, talking about other people's missions and whatnot, if you could just simply say your mission with the Toss Toph Shop, yeah. and then we'll close it out.
2: Um, so, I've done a lot of work around this, and really what it comes down to is um, bringing artistry to business and business to artistry, because I think they can enhance each other if you give them the right space.
0: Fantastic. Beautiful. Thank you, Meg. Mm-hmm. Great story. We awesome. appreciate Thanks, you guys. sharing Thank that you. with us. Wow.
2: Thank you.